Hello and welcome back fellow riders on Bus Talk, a podcast about work-life issues which crowd our minds each day. Myth-busting into reality, Bus Talk shares stories, anecdotes, observations, some tips and tricks to better your work-life balance or lack thereof. Simply put, it's a straight talk to help you cope with various work-life situations without having to reinvent the wheel. And yes, there is a lot of traffic, so it does take time. We go slow, steady and at our own pace. If this is what piques your interest, you're on the right bus. So sit back, turn up the volume and enjoy the ride. I'm your host GB and you're listening to Bus Talk. In today's ride, we must talk about the extreme sandwich. Yes, you heard that right. Wondering what that means? Yes, we're going to talk about sandwiches, but in the context of life. And no, it's not sponsored by Subway or anybody else. It's just an expression. And before we proceed, let me tell you up front that this episode will have more questions than answers. But like always, I'll hope it makes you sit up and think. I'm going to present two very contrasting ideas. And let's explore and see where it eventually leads us to. And so let's jump right in to the extreme sandwich. Wondering what it means? Let me first share a sandwich story with you. Now think of the of your trip to the neighborhood Subway restaurant, you know, the popular sandwich restaurant. Think of your trip to the Subway restaurant. Now you go to the Subway store Select the type of sandwich you want and choose the ingredients. However, just when you reach the payment counter, you go back to ask for some more mayonnaise. Does that happen to you? And if it does, do you know why? It's because you want more before you pay. You want more before you pay, which is why just before you pay, a fleeting thought crosses your mind. Is it worth your money? Just to be sure, are you getting the best and the most that your money can buy? Are you thinking, how do I get extra mayonnaise for the money I pay? I mean, the sandwich has the basic sauces as advertised, but still, it's something extra because I'm paying. I'm paying is tough. And so I need to make sure that I get, get a greater return of investment. <laughs> and does that surprise you? Right? So much happening behind such a simple everyday task. But have you wondered why you have this inert desire to have more? Does it occur to you? Let me explain. This happens because more is a superset of being unhappy. Unhappy is a superset of a fear of loss. Fear of loss or fear of losing is a superset of insecurity. Insecurity is a superset of a fear of failure. And then you wonder if you're going to be robbed of your extra dollop of mayonnaise. This is the subway philosophy. Just like life, your subway sandwich has many layers. It's, just, it's the truth about subway sandwiches. And so you must be thinking, what the heck has this got to do with extreme sandwich and to understand that I need to shake you up a bit 
Here goes. We live in a world where you need to be an extremist. Pause. Otherwise, there's little chance for you to survive. Wait, isn't that an extreme example? Hold on. Before you kill me, hear me out. I promise you there is more layers to this. Imagine you are a job seeker. Assume you are a salesperson, for example, looking for your next gig. Think of all the hiring adverts that you see on various social media platforms like LinkedIn, IAM Jobs, Indeed, what have you. What do you see there? The common commentary or the keywords that pop up are wanted extreme sales ninjas, someone with killer instinct who could nail the target, hit the market. Some even say wanted a rock star, Superman, Wonder Woman for this role. And you think, hang on, what, what happened to the plain, simple guy? Do they not get hired anymore? Don't they land a job anymore? What's wrong in being regular and normal? instead of extreme, instead of being superhuman? Why do employers need superhuman skills to sell, for example, a software application or a product, for example? Could it mean the product is so bad that it may need a superhuman effort to sell? On the contrary, if the product is good, does it mean that ordinary people will not get the hang of it and hence you need superhuman skills? But on a serious note, what has necessitated this extreme ask? Why do we want more packed in our sandwich? And so to understand this better, let's dive into extremism. And then deal with mediocrity a bit later, but let's first try and understand this a little bit better. The extreme reality. The extreme reality of our times seems to suggest that if you're not fast, you're food. If you don't hustle in the open, then you perhaps will rustle in some dark corner. This is because there are more people just like you who need a job, an opportunity or a chance. Supply overruns demand. They have either similar or better skill sets available. Therefore, the question arises, why should it be you? If similar talent is available, why should they hire you? Basis what? Why should you get that role or that opportunity as compared to the rest of the people who are applying? Clearly, the table stakes of being, say, hardworking, honest, having integrity are given. These are the common denominators across all people. And so it becomes like a zero-sum game, without which you don't even become eligible. So whether you choose to follow it at a later point or not is a completely different story, but that's the basic prerequisite to get an opportunity. You can't fake those. And so if you had all these common denominators, which is very similar to similar other people, what difference do you bring to the table? Will it help you land the dream job? Perhaps the answer is no. No, it might not land you the dream job. Because people now expect more. The people expect much more even though they may never need it. 
And that is the bedrock of extreme ask. Asking for more than what is available makes you be something you're not or want to become something that you're not, deviate from your originality. This push to be something else often innocuously masquerades as excellence or the pursuit of excellence. You know, I often come across resumes which have completely diverse qualifications to what the role demands. I've seen people as head of recruitment with a chemical engineering background. I've seen people selling supply chain from a metallurgy or a civil engineering background. I have seen people from very, and some people have done MBBS and then gone on to do an MBA and leading a business unit. Now, in principle, I'm not saying that is bad or wrong. All I'm saying is, do you need that skill set or qualification to do this job? Perhaps not. Yet, because the supply overruns demand, there are so many such profiles that in today's hiring landscape, it's almost become a norm to hire an engineering and MBA graduate. It's like, but have you stopped and asked why? And so the common answer I get often is that it's a filtering mechanism. It's a disqualification mechanism that if you have at least done an engineering and MBA, then it is, underst- it is understood that you are of a certain capacity level or quality level. Now, that to me is a very flawed logic. By that design, some of the smartest minds on the planet, arguably the top five employers on the planet, wouldn't have landed a job in some of the best companies that we have today. And so in this pursuit of happiness, how many people end up being unhappy by paying a price way more than what they had imagined? Simply justifying it as a price to pay for success is not a right thing to do. Some say it's a necessary trade-off, if you will, only to realize much later in life that it was perhaps not worth it. Yet from an employer point of view, Are we saying that if you do not possess extreme qualities, then you cannot be hired? And if you do possess extreme qualities, then don't you become an extremist? And last checked, we did not like extremists or extremism at all. We associate extremism with terrorism, isn't it? It's an extreme act of aggression. Then why are we so comfortable using the same lexicon when it comes to hiring. Think about it. And yet, if you're not extreme, then you become non-extreme, as in mediocre, mediumistic. And we don't like that either. We certainly don't like to hire mediocre people, do we? So net of it, if you're not going to hire an extremist, and you're not going to be comfortable with a mediocre person, then how does this all work? And so let's stay with me on this dichotomy a little bit. To understand extreme, you perhaps need to go investigate the origin of extreme. What causes someone to become extreme or display an extreme behavior? Usually, it's a massive tragedy. 
a life-changing event, an extreme hurtful situation perhaps. And what happens when you go through an extreme tragic situation? Some say it makes you stronger. Remember, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? It's because of tragedies, often people become mentally stronger. That's the assumption. Tragedies often lead to a loss of fear. Losing the sense of fear, therefore, demolishes the fear of failure. And when you have no fear of failure, you are perhaps going to succeed. You're perhaps going to succeed more than you fail because you don't fear it anymore. So is that okay with you? So is, is therefore tragedy the root of extremism? And that's why we should hire such people who display such intense understanding. Or do you know of people who are extreme but are not intense? Does that work as well? Is that why people are rarely happy when they do attain success after all? And then what happens if you have no such tragedy at all? And God bless you if you don't have any tragedy in your lives. But if you don't, and try as you may, you just don't seem to hit tragedy. How then do you get your extreme motivation, that turnaround? What makes you stretch for that extra mile? We all know that people don't learn when it is recommended, suggested, uh, you know, people explain multiple times, but people just don't seem to listen. And so if you don't have a life-changing event, then how do you draw your inner energy to perform, to come out with an extreme performance? Extremism means that you max out your core skill set and become a higher self, higher version of yourself. And in this pursuit of excellence, people often lose themselves and then tend to forget their core competencies. They go above and beyond and in the process become someone else totally. When you see, when you sum it up, when you do a balance sheet of your life, how you started is not how you would end. So why does success have to be defined or achieved by not being you? Can you sustain that? Can you be? Can you not be as successful just by being you? What's wrong with that? And so while I understand how you begin is not how you end, that is for a different context here. We're trying to ascertain whether excellence is a form of extremism or do you need to be extreme to be excellent or does excellence lead to extreme behavior? On the other hand, on the other side of the story is mediocrity. Let's talk a little bit about mediocrity. Well, fear not. Extreme behavior sometimes also stems from mediocrity. Excellence stems from mediocrity sometimes. You know, when there is too much of mediocrity, excellence creeps in by way of innovation. Think of a packed subway. Again, not the sandwich, but the metro think of a rush hour subway metro which is packed with people now there is not enough space to stand you can't breathe it's claustrophobic but you need to make space and so your fighter instincts kick in your adaptability instincts 
kick in. You look for that one ledge of the seat or that corner of the pillar, which somehow has fallen a blind eye to others. And you manage to acquire that space for yourself despite the crowd. You contort your body to rest a little bit so that the haversack rests on that little bit of space so that the weight of it reduces just a little bit. Right, So you find ways in the middle of adversity. You find ways to be a little more comfortable. Is that excellence? Is that extreme? Think about it. Think of, say, 300 applicants for a single role. One one recruiter going through 300 resumes. Why would your resume be shortlisted? All you get is, what, five seconds? As in the recruiter does not spend more than five or seven seconds on the first page of your resume. And I I just hope that you just have one page of, of resume. The job of your resume is to get an interview, not a job. But that's for some other day. Think of this 300 applicants, 300 resumes on the table. And the reason your resume is shortlisted because perhaps it is designed differently. And because of the of the visual appeal that you have tried to put in, it buys you that additional five more seconds for the, for the recruiter from the recruiter where instead of spending the regular five seconds, they perhaps give it 10 seconds or 15 seconds. And that's when you start to get shortlisted. So again, you see, when adversity presented itself, you somehow found excellence. You adjusted to the adversity and found excellence. So the this innovation, agility, flexibility, these are the key ingredients of excellence. So are we saying now that mediocrity is excellent or mediocrity is the basis for excellence? Is that true? And so are we saying that there is no place for mediocrity? Are we saying that mediocrity is different from excellence? If we are saying that, and how do we achieve the bell curve? How do you get the Pareto's law to function? No matter what the scale of excellence, there always will be a top, middle, and bottom. We all know mediocrity breeds more mediocrity, even though if it is crowded, but mediocrity breeds more mediocrity. Think of a mediocre manager, hiring manager, will perhaps hire a mediocre subordinate, a mediocre junior. Very unlikely that a mediocre manager hires a superior skill set. It threatens their insecurities. And so when mediocrity becomes a majoritarian point of view, it becomes the absolute truth of excellence. Think of 100 people in your team, for example, and 90 think that Subway sandwiches are subpar or below average. Does it actually make the sandwich average or is it their judgment which is average? Now, you have the luxury of knowing that perhaps 900 million people worldwide think that Subway sandwiches are excellent. But if you did not have that data point, then wouldn't that average point of view become the absolute truth? 
Mediocrity begins very early in life for many people. Think of a mediocre parenting. Just because you have a kid does not qualify you you to become a parent. Most people ignore or take it for granted, uh, especially parents who think parenting will come naturally to them. Unfortunately, it doesn't happen like that for everybody. Most parents push for academic excellence, completely ignorant of the child's inner talent. It's how they were brought up. So they think if we were brought up like this, then our child will also or should also be brought up in a similar way, citing reasons like just a child. She won't know what she needs to do. It's our job as parents to guide them. Well, yes, it is your job, but do you know that whether you are qualified to give such a judgment to such to pass on such guidance it's not a it becomes an ego thing right you can't experiment with your child's future you've got to spend time in figuring out what your child or where your child's excellence lies instead of force feeding tuition classes and pushing them to join engineering streams and getting them to pointlessly and aimlessly do MBAs. And what do you get in turn? Nothing. You get a bunch of assembly line executives. If you have read 2018 employment report, there was this very shocking statement which said 90% of the engineers are unemployable today. It's very, very surprising in a country which focuses so much of education and so little on learning. And that's why there is so much of mediocrity that you see around. People associate excellence in quality by way of your academic qualification. And I'm not against, don't get me wrong, I'm not against engineering or uh, MBAs or B schools or anything. I'm just saying find out if that is your true calling and spend time in finding out what your true true calling is. If solving problems, engineering problems is your true calling, absolutely. But to assume, say, artistic traits don't pay money, which is a very common view or used to be at least be a very common view for majority of the middle class in India, it doesn't secure a job, you know, what will you do becoming an artist or even a sports person? You'd rather do engineering and get yourself a safe job. It's almost like, you know, clipping their wings. And who knows, they could be someone brilliant. Imagine if Sachin Tendulkar's parents, who were teachers, said, all you have to do is get into teaching profession. How would world have turned out for the cricketing fraternity? would have lost one of the greatest players of all time, right? For many parents, unfortunately, pushing their child into, say, engineering or med school or B school is almost like a society status symbol. It's like a reflected glory. Instead of spending time in figuring out what the child really wants. Some even think of it as a plan of getting out of the middle model or the middle class ness of it all or the, or the or the financial strata that they're in with a hind thought that tomorrow when this person gets a job in a 
big organization, we will be financially better off. Now, if you look at it standalone, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You want to excel, you want to grow in life, in society, nothing wrong with that. The only condition supplies, asterisk mark there is, does your child also want the same? Have you spent enough time to understand what her core competency is? Where does it lie? Where is the knack? Where is the talent? Are you qualified to identify that talent or are you just pushing it as a like herds, right? Push If everybody is doing that, might as well do it. Eventually, it will work out. And therefore, you land up with a lot of people who wanted to be something or do something else. And how many engineers have we heard have quit their professions and taken up to, say, photography or singing or some other art form, right? And this is, and I really appreciate that. I really respect their choices, that they're being true to themselves and realization happens later, perhaps. So mediocrity is an early starter. Be very, very conscious about it. Don't make statements like do this or else you will waste your life. Do this or else you will fail. And so this constant misdirection, if you will, introduces the fear of failure. It introduces a lack of confidence. Do this, do it this way or else you will fail. It makes children or young children or young adults scared of their failures. Their fear of failure also leads to a need for approval. They're always looking for approval, always dependent on what the other people around them say instead of developing their own individuality, their own originality, their own power to think on their own two feet. There's a high degree of need for approval. And therefore, if you sum it up, you know, the this triage of fear of failure this need for approval and false pretenses of trying to be what you're not, this triage of myths, going to become the ultimate reality for this particular person who has now developed a constrained view of life, a self-restricting, self-limiting view of themselves. And therefore, they remain mediocre for their entire lives until, as we have discussed before, a life-changing event happens which makes them wake up from their slumber of mediocrity and try and do something different. You know, always the herd, never the shepherd. And that's why there are few shepherds and maximum herds at your workplace. On a different tangent, though, there are more people who evoke fear from the wrath of God. How many times have you heard that if you don't do this, God will punish you? If you don't follow the given path, then bad things will happen to you. And while I respect everybody's religious beliefs, oftentimes I think of God as being loving and forgiving. God, you should be God-loving and not necessarily God-fearing. But that's a self-imposed circle of restriction, circle of constraint, defined by your environment, saying that don't step out of this line. So 
in summary i can tell you this that mediocrity is a state of mind which is basis constraints ingrained into people very early in life and somewhere somehow either by way of an external influence or a friend or someone who's different has to help them wake up and smell the cappuccino and so if you do a poll now would you vote for excellence extreme excellence or extreme mediocrity or mediocre extreme i mean i don't even know which which is the right way forward in my view in the life that we have around us life as we know it mediocrity and excellence will always coexist like i've always maintained whatever works for you good for you that said fall back on your core strengths spend time in identifying what is it that you really want to do and go chasing after that inner core strength why because that is what is sustainable that is where you would do your best it might not make sense initially but you will see the longer you invest your time in it your natural ability to excel in that particular sphere field area will start to show recognize it and be happy with it and if you are cut out to be you know this extreme performer this alpha male or alpha female then so be it good on you it's it has to be your natural flair it's your natural ability be happy with it and if you're not if you're not cut out for this extreme space or this extreme world be happy being the cog in the wheel it's okay it's not a compromise it's being happy it is as important as the whole wheel or its driver if you will and sometimes therefore in life it's okay to get less sauce in your sandwich and less mayonnaise if you will it will still taste good be happy with what you get in your sandwich sandwiches will survive and multiply just like we have done for eons there will be more sandwiches don't treat this as the last sandwich on the planet we do have a lot to think about in life let's not overorder and stuff our brains instead of just simply filling our stomach and being happy about it simplify life and be happy with wherever your natural flair takes you well that's all for now i hope you had a good time listening as much as i had sharing these thoughts and if you did do tune in to the other episodes of bus talk yes you could share them on facebook or twitter and with especially those who might appreciate similar content and if you need to talk to me or reach out to me you can use the twitter handle hashtag #gyanban spelled as g y a n b a n one word or email me on 
gyanban at gmail.com again spelled as g-y-a-n-b-a-n-n be sure to tune in next week there is a fascinating episode coming up for you till we meet again stay safe be well and bring your a-game to work ciao